Okay, first of all, first of all, before before I even jump into the topic for this episode, man, I, I woke up like around three, four o'clock. I honestly can't remember if I was already up or if I had dozed off and woke up, but you know, every time I wake up, I always check the I check the podcast, see how it's doing. Might reflect on some of the episodes, some material. I might debate with myself whether I want to delete an episode or not. But, you know, one of the things my cousin always taught me, he said, you're only as good as your resume. So I feel like even if there's an episode I'm not too proud of, I still want to keep it because maybe I can learn from it. Use it as like a, you know, a study guide for my do's and don'ts for the next episodes to come. So, of course, I checked on the podcast like three or four this morning whenever I woke up and to my fucking surprise, 300 plus, <laughs> 300 plus, man, I hit that mark and then some. And the first thing I did, I just had a big ass smile on my face, sitting up in the dark, looking like a creep with the phone light shining on my face. But um, I screenshotted the 300 plus. It's like 311 now, but I think it was three, 310 when I checked it screenshotted it made a caption for it told everybody thank you i don't even know if i'm friends with on facebook with half the people that are giving me all these listens i don't know if they're just the people that are on anchor and spotify and whatever the platforms are on but you know i still show my appreciation nonetheless just in the case that there a lot of my listeners are people that i'm friends with on facebook or instagram so first thing i did screenshot it uh, put a little caption up humbled grateful Thank you, but I'm saying this now to the listeners, my tutor viewers, man. I appreciate you guys so, so fucking much. Like, y'all don't even understand. I'm not really going to do it. Uh, I, I could. I, I know I said I wanted to do a, um, you know, like a thank you appreciation uh, episode like I did when I hit the, I think it was the 200 plus spins I did an episode for that. But I couldn't get my head together. I couldn't get my notes together because I didn't expect to get there. Th- that I didn't expect to get there, you know, like early in the morning, like after midnight, as soon as the start of the week hit. But I did. So, you know, the fact that I couldn't get my thoughts together, I'll figure out uh, episode to just dedicate to the listeners. Eventually, sometime this week, I'll do it. But um, y'all got to understand something, man. Um, over a, a four month span to just to have that many people or just that many listens to little old me this little old tutor reviews podcast that i just uh you know it was long overdue i should have been at this years ago wasted too much time but that's neither here nor there but to to have people take a liking to my personal opinions on movies and just me goofing off like whether i'm doing a completely sober review or something like that, or just pounding back a couple beers or some shots, doing some commentary, whatever the case may be, people, for people to take a liking to the, the, the shit that I'm into and my opinions and views on film is just, it's awesome, man. And if you go back and listen to my, you know, my thank you episode for the 200 plus listens, um, I basically explained what made me get into film and what made me want to do reviews and what made me want to do commentary like this I I love this shit man I don't know how else to put it like this is what you know my heart beats for this is what my heart bleeds for a lot of blood sweat and tears went into this over the years man and I like I don't feel like I should put any type of time frame or constraints restrictions on on this here you know because it's something I'm very passionate about anybody that knows me personally knows how seriously I take 
you know, film writing as a whole. And now, of course, the podcast I take very seriously. I take a lot of pride in it. And I said this before, you know, and we're in an era where, you know, um, the, the new thing is like, if you don't have a gajillion and 18 subscribers, then it's not an accomplishment. But I, again, I can't stress this enough. I'm a person that's all about humble beginnings and I'm very grateful and I'm just really uh I'm just really appreciative of the the small steps I have to take to get to bigger platforms and bigger you know bigger things with with this whole craft I'm doing like I'm really I can't even really really put it into words y'all can y'all can clearly see it because I keep using the same words over and over I keep saying really I'm stumbling over my words man I'm all over the place I'm ecstatic and I might not sound like it probably because I haven't had my coffee this morning yet but yeah I'm I'm just really happy right now and uh again thank you to all the Tudor reviewers man y'all y'all when I say at the end of these episodes like y'all showing me this love and keeping me afloat is the reason I keep going, man. It it really is because the more people take a liking and the more people listen, it's just like, okay, well, what can I give them next that might draw them in? What can I, you know, what topics can I come up with? Who can I have on here? Which is something else I need to do. I need to get like more people involved because I feel like it's good to show appreciation to the people that are showing me love and support for the podcast. So, you know, I've only had a few people on the podcast as guests so far, but I really feel like I want to draw in more people because that'll get more of an audience. It'll it'll be it'll be able to, you know, give a versatility to the podcast because there are a lot of people out there that I want to do episodes with joint episodes and they have different perspectives that are you know, topics outside of film, some, whether it be fashion, whether it be music, whatever the case may be, pop culture references, whatever. But, um, that's definitely something I'm going to try to do for the listeners out there, for the ones that actually, you know, are this invested four months later and 300 plus spins, man. So again, before I, before I jump into this topic, man, thank you guys so, so, so much for, for just, uplifting me you know this the podcast hasn't i'm not gonna say it's been easy because it hasn't because we all we know we all go through you know uh life-changing events or just bad days and just turmoil in life in general and i do have my days man but i'm learning that when i have days like that to just sit down and record and get an episode or two or three in a day off the ground or a few over that span of bad days I have to to do that is just is therapy for me. I feel like that's um that's my escape. You know, it's it's something I love to do. So I I need to really dedicate a little more time into doing the things that make me happy, which is this podcast that you guys have been, you know, showing love for or showing love to since day one. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to the reviewers. So, so, so much, man, from the bottom of my heart and soul, I, I appreciate the love and support. Now, with that being said, I'm going to jump into a topic this morning, which just randomly, randomly crossed my mind last night. Now, this was long before I checked the, you know, this, the listens and see that I, I made my mark and then some, you know, that I hit my mark, my 300 mark, but 
something that came to my mind is you know one thing i'll do is i'll i will just google Im random images of movies that were movies that weren't were jesus christ what am i trying to say movies that once were or almost came to be basically is what i'm saying and one of those movies that came to mind was and I, I kid y'all not, and I had I hadn't even watched the movie in a while, but maybe it's because I was um I was on like a Tim Burton binge um a while back, so much so that I did a an episode about you know my top five Tim Burton movies, but one of the movies that came to came to mind was was Beetlejuice and the fact that Beetlejuice two you know there's like little rumblings here and there. And I remember the first news of this. This was years ago, like almost a decade ago. If I'm if I, I really want to be bold enough to say it's a decade and some change ago back when they were calling it Beetle Deuce. You know, a lot of people don't remember that was the working title for it. And it was in development. Hell, the project was dead, this, that, and the other. But there's still rumblings here and there, like somebody saying oh they wouldn't mind coming back for it somebody saying they would come back only under these conditions somebody saying that someone's working on a script you know it's 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 still in the air i feel like the universe kind of wants this movie to be made but i'm gonna be I, i'm gonna be completely honest i you know when the news broke not like a decade and some change ago, but when it broke like a few years back and they said, yeah, still a possibility Beetlejuice 2 could work. I'm like, you know what, man, this is pro it's probably for the best that they don't make this movie because it's one of those situations where, you know, we're, we're, we are cinematically, we're in an era where, you know, the new thing is either direct sequels and just retcon in the rest of the series or just a straight up sequel to a movie that was made 20, 30 years ago. And for me personally, that is a big risk. It's one of the reasons why now I want to be optimistic, but it's one of the reasons why I'm I'm not really excited about coming America coming to America too, is because I was excited for Dumb and Dumber 2, and I got what I got. And it's, and you know, I'm sure people some people feel the same way about Zoolander too. I wasn't a fan of the first Zoolander. I've never even watched it all the way through. But it's just sometimes it's just good to just leave well enough alone. You know, you you can't just you can because Hollywood can do whatever they want, but you know, sometimes it's not good to just pop up and be like, I wonder what Beetlejuice is up to. How long has it been? Nineteen eighty eight? All right, cool, whatever. You know, let's see what he's doing. Let's just get let's bring him back on screen, whatever. Quick buck. You know, a lot of times people uh confuse um, something where integrity is involved and a uh, the 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 legend, the legacy of a character. Sometimes people confuse that with cash grabs. Like it's two different things. You know, you can't like Beetlejuice came out in 1988, and it's one of Tim Burton's greatest movies of all time. Like this this guy, th this character he created. Um with michael keaton is just something everybody is, is imitated it's a it's a it's a cultural phenomenon you know he he will never be ever 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 be forgotten but while i wasn't on board with the idea after a while i'm like you know what this is this is for the best let's not do it let's leave it alone because it's one of those one of those cases where this could destroy you know the first movie will exist but this could destroy careers you know, it could be that bad. 
But then last night I started thinking and I said to myself, I said, you know, given given the right people, given the right the right um, crew altogether as a unit, this could actually work and maybe be a lot of fun. It really could. And, and I, I know I, I, there's some people out there that listen to me and they know how I felt about reboots and sequels like this a few years back. And I was like 100 percent against shit like this for a very long time. But it wasn't until I had to realize, like, I have to keep an open mind about certain things, especially if it's something like a sequel to Beetlejuice, where there is there are other areas you can explore because that world that Tim Burton created, it's a lot of shit that was, you know, left to the imagination that was unexplained. And that's that's one of the reasons why the movie stood out the way it did, why it's so memorable, why it was so great and and why it was so dark, too. Like the humor, of course, in every Tim Burton movie, he has dark humor, but it's like, you know, there's I'll get into it in a second, but there are scenes in the original Beetlejuice that just completely went over my head as a child. But you know, Tim Burton being behind the helm of that movie, Michael McDowell and Warren Scarin, rest in peace, shout out to them because, you know, I did some research last night and I found out that both of the writers of the original Beetlejuice have passed away. So rest in peace, shout out to them. Um, you had the cast, you had Michael Keaton, Alec Baldwin, Gina Davis, Winona Ryder, Catherine O'Hara, Jeffrey Jones, Glenn Shadix. Rest in peace, shout out to Glenn Shadix too. If anybody doesn't know who that is, he played Otho. Um, you know, Otho was he he's that he wasn't necessarily that flamboyant, but he's just like deliver me from L.L. Bean. Like Otho is probably one of the more annoying characters in um, Beetlejuice, but it wouldn't have been Beetlejuice without Otho played by Glenn Shadick. So rest in peace. Shout out to him, man. Um, but j just the cast assembled for that alone. Everybody's humor landed. It's Michael Keaton stole the show as this as this this original character. Um, just the Dietzes in general, the family, you had a younger Winoa Ryder who was just like, Lydia is one of the greatest emos of all time. Not just the greatest characters, but one of the greatest emos because you have these characters in movies nowadays where they just try to be emo and you, they're acting like they are acting. Lydia really seems like, you know, she has that line, my, you know, my entire life is, or my entire world is a dark room, whatever she says, but Lydia is one of those people who I would love to just hang around with. She's cool as hell. Her, you know, she had you had her bougie stepmom, the dad that just wanted some peace and quiet and wanted to read and look at birds through binoculars and shit. Like, it's the movie's epic, man. It's awesome. Not to mention, I always get like goosebumps and get kind of teary eyed when they play um jump in the line at the end. That's a classic ass ending, man. When Lydia finally learned how to you know use the the magic or the ghosts, whatever the hell she did that had her ass levitating in the living room at the end. And she's dancing. She's got the football players. The dead football players is the background dancers. Like, you don't, you don't get a lot better than Beetlejuice as far as Tim Burton movies go. And I, I kind of feel like I'm, you know, I'm putting my foot in my mouth because I don't remember if I put that in my top five Tim Burton movies. I think Pee Wee's Big Adventure took the cake for number one, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. I would have to go back to it, but I say that Beetlejuice 2 could be a lot of fun and it could work if the right people are involved. Now, um, I didn't get too deep into my ideas here, but one of the, the, the main ingredients you would need here, the main ingredients you would need here is Tim Burton. You need Tim Burton on board 100%. And 
It is to my knowledge that Tim Burton has said, and this was a while ago, I think, I don't, you know, he said that he would only come back to do Beetlejuice 2 if Michael Keaton came back. And I completely agree with that because Tim Burton is a guy who likes his, um, he, he likes his actors, you know, he likes his, his Michael Keaton's, he likes his Johnny Depp's, he likes his Danny DeVito's, he likes his Michelle Pfeiffer's. When he takes a liking to these, to these actors and he puts them in multiple movies, like, especially something like Beetlejuice, it wouldn't work without Michael Keaton. You can't, I know that, you know, people like Pinhead have been recasted and, uh, Freddy Krueger have been recasted, but Beetlejuice is too much interaction. You know, Pinhead, he talks a lot, but you can get away with an English actor who, you know, can take on that Doug Bradley type of sound. You can get away with a Freddy Krueger who people forget in the first movie didn't have a lot of lines. You know, he wasn't that stand up comedian that he was. So Jackie Earl Haley playing a you know darker version of Freddy Krueger. Cool. I actually gave him a pass. I don't you know, I don't like the movie, but I don't hate Jackie Early Jackie Earl Haley's performance as Freddy Krueger. But Beetlejuice is just is so much authenticity in that character that he he is Michael Keaton and Michael Keaton is Beetlejuice. Like those two go hand in hand, you know, on and off screen. You cannot recast him. So I don't I don't blame Tim Burton for, you know, for that being his opinion. But you, I feel like you have to get Tim Burton on board 100 percent. And in order to do that, I feel like people should get Michael Keaton on board 100 percent. When you get these two involved, I feel like everything else will fall into place after that. The universe is going to take care of all of that. You got to get the OGs involved. Those two who made the magic together, you know, and that's not to take away from anybody else that was in the movie, but Michael Keaton and Tim Burton, they they knew what they wanted and they and they got it. Now, as far as the writers, I, I didn't have too many writers in mind. I actually was going to go with Michael McDowell and Warren Scarin, but like I said, sadly, they passed away RIP to them and I, I really was I didn't have anybody in mind except those two, because I'm like, you know, if you're going to go all out and get Tim Burton and get some OGs back and get the man himself, Michael Keaton, to come back, why not get the writers? But sadly, that's not going to be possible. So the next person I had in mind is a director who always said he's actually a director and a writer, but more so known for his directing. But he's always he's a guy that I always said seems like he is the you know he is like a little brother or a little cousin of Tim Burton because they share this dark humor this visionary gothic um almost horror type tones to their movies and the guy is pretty underrated as far as his um you know his hijinks in his movies his humor like i said his dark gothic almost hard tones and that guy is uh Barry Sonnefeld now if anybody doesn't know who Barry Sonnefeld is um the Adams Family the Adams Family Values the Men in Black trilogy if you got you I'm, I hope somebody understands where I'm going here with this now mainly I, I I picked him mainly because of what he did with the Adams Family and it's very emo it's very dark and I don't know if him and Tim Burton have ever teamed up before. And I feel like that would be a powerhouse of just creative wackiness, you know, for, for the better. Not for the worse, but creative wackiness for the better. Those two, I think it would be a home run, you know. And Barry Sonnefeld, you know, I don't know how much creative control Tim Burton gives his writers. 
um, as far as once he starts directing. But if he could give Barry Sonnefeld some creative control, like, you know, behind the camera, like, well, what would you do differently? Because, you know, if I can't see it, you show me what you would do with it. If, if those two could team up, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But you need, you know, director, writer, check, check. You need musical score. Danny Elfman is very much still alive. You need Danny Elfman now. Danny Elfman has scored so many, the majority of Tim Burton's movies, and you need him back. You need him back to do the score because his score is so amazing for Beetlejuice that, you know, when I got the DVD, you know, there's no big special features on it. It's just like a scene index and some uh, production notes and stuff like that. But one of the options... The audio options for my Beetlejuice DVD is the option to watch the entire movie with just the musical score. No dialogue whatsoever. The dialogue is chopped out of it and it's just Danny Elfman's score. And it's one of those moments, man, where I say a film could stand alone by its musical score. Danny Elfman is a genius on those ones and twos, man. On those tones, on them tunes. Oh, yeah. You got you have to bring the nostalgia for people and as far as nostalgia goes you have to bring back i feel like bring back the ogs and introduce some new people as far as the ogs um like i said everybody's still pretty much alive except glenn shadix as far as the main players gina davis is still alive alec baldwin michael keaton of course Winona Ryder, Catherine o'hara jeffrey jones i feel like but i wouldn't put them in the forefront i would have them you know moved away somewhere but they get called back somehow now as far as the 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 new blood for Beetlejuice to like to taunt and to torment and to just joke around with, I would um personally for me I would cast a lot of Tim Burton alumni because I wouldn't want to stray too far away from what a Tim Burton movie is and what it can be by casting a lot of people that are known for this movie or known for that movie or known for you know blowing up overnight being an internet sensation. No, I wouldn't do that because it's going to trash. Like I always say, the integrity of the film and of the idea. So when I say Tim Burton alumni, you know, I went off the deep end and I started thinking of who I would cast in there. And two people I would cast as a, you know, I don't know if I would put them in the forefront as a new husband and wife, but Paul Rubens and Elizabeth Daly. <laughs> and what, you know, this this would be like a dream for me, straight up, like Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman himself and Elizabeth Daly who played Dottie. Now, the fact that Pee-wee was playing so hard to get with Dottie in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, to see them actually play, you know, different characters entirely, but to see those two actors, that actor and that actress play a husband and wife on screen, like for geeks like me, it'd be like, yo, it's good to see them together finally. You know, I know they're playing two different characters, but to see them together and interact as if they have been married or started a family or something, it's something that will probably make my heart smile. So I would definitely cast Paul Rubens and Elizabeth Daly as the, you know, the Tim Burton alumni. I know this would be a reach, but I also would get Jack Nicholson. And of course, Jack Nicholson, Mars Attacks, which Tim Burton did. Joker, of course. Um, I would definitely get him in it. I, I don't know how big of a role he would want to play, but I would definitely get him on board. Him and Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken is, uh, of course, Batman Returns alumni. Johnny Depp, I know that is by a long shot, but to see Johnny Depp, I would have him play a character who's almost as, who's probably human, 
No, you know what? I wouldn't have him play a character that was human. He would he would either have to be a human that's as crazy as Beetlejuice or one of those afterlife um, dead people who Beetlejuice is like best friends with or enemies with. I would because we know Michael Keaton and Johnny Depp, uh, they engulfed themselves into them roles. Johnny Depp, especially, man. And that's one of, you know, that's Tim Burton's right hand man right there. He's been in every like a lot of Willy Wonka, uh, Ed Wood, Edward Scissorhands. He's been in so many Tim Burton movies, man. And one of the last alumni I would do that's you know she well she is a Tim Burton alumni now I'm, I'm, I know she was in one of his movies Dark Shadows I don't know what else she was in after that um Chloe Grace Moretz now the funny thing is that I thought I had her in mind for Tim Burton alumni to be in Beetlejuice too but it's funny because I looked on IMDb and one of the little trivia facts was that Chloe Grace Moretz was rumored to play Lydia Winona Ryder's character, her her daughter. And I'm like, how dope would that be if, if you know, not only is it Tim Burton alumni, but she's playing Lydia's daughter? I would love it because Chloe Grace Moretz is kind of, she's kind of Lydia and emo, but not really as dark because, you know, she's like, She's real melancholy and dark shadows and she's like, you can't you can't have a party without such and such stupid. It's such a dumb idea. Like she just she just doesn't give a fuck, you know. And she's always I always liked her as an actress. Even though, you know, I didn't like Carrie too much, but she was the one thing that kept that movie afloat for me. So had seeing her, you know, jump back into that emo type of role and play Lydia's daughter would be fucking amazing. It'd be simply amazing. I, w I don't think that you could get better casting than that. Now, what I wouldn't do, I wouldn't have her with the black veils over her face and just wearing all black. I would have her like kind of the kind of the opposite, like dress code wise. But I would still have her have her mother's attitude because Chloe, like, like I said, she's good at playing emo and good at playing melancholy. Now, speaking of one thing I would suggest they do if they ever got this project off the ground is make make it a little bit darker. You know, don't go sleepy, hollow, dark, rated R, because that's a whole different ball game. You know, but but then I think a lot of things. If you did have a rated R Beetlejuice sequel, which is a big risk, because you don't want to just do a rated R Beetlejuice sequel just for the sake of blood and gore. But there are a lot of things that you could you could touch upon that, like I said earlier in the episode, went way over my head. Like there's a scene where where Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin, you know, Adam and Barbara, when they go to the waiting room in the afterlife um you know they get the handbook for the recently deceased and then they go into this waiting room and they have to have their number called everyone everyone in this room has either died or in some type of freak accident or killed themselves now the woman who is at the front desk the receptionist i can't remember her name but you know she's the she's the lady that's just completely blue she's got the red hair she's a really pretty woman in the movie Shout out Julia Roberts, but no, she wasn't played by Julia Roberts. I just said that because I said pretty woman. Y'all, y'all understand where I'm going with this, but you know, she, she says to them, if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have had my little accident. She holds her wrists up and her wrists are slit. Like she killed herself. And I, that went completely over my head at the end. But then there's a guy who offers Adam a cigarette and he's just a, a completely charred, like just skeleton his legs are just shaking because his nerves are bad you've got a guy who's choked on a chicken bone he's still got a napkin tucked inside of his um inside of his collar because he was eating dinner you got somebody who was like half devoured by a shark a guy that's in a sleeping bag with his rattlesnake tail sticking out of it it's all types of crazy 
twisted shit in this room and in this movie in general. And I feel like you could make a rated R Beetlejuice, but let's not stray too far from it. But like I said, it would it would explain a lot of shit that went over my head as a child. But I do feel like you can go darker a little bit without going, you know, uh, straight up R rated NC-17 type of blood, guts and gore type stuff. Because you don't want to lose the essence of what Beetlejuice was. You don't want to make it so that, you know, Beetlejuice, it's a movie that I can let my daughter watch because there's a lot of undertones there that will go completely over her head that she will probably understand when she gets older like I did but it's it's still a kid friendly movie you know like all like most Tim Burton movies are with the exception of stuff like you know Sleepy Hollow but um it's it's still kid friendly so you don't want to lose that audience because there there will be if it's PG-13 there will be a new or PG I can't remember which rating P- Beetlejuice actually was no, I think it was PG-13 because uh, Michael Keaton does say fuck. He says nice fucking model. And in a PG-13 movie, you are granted one F-bomb. Um, I think it's either one or two. I think you might have to pay extra money if it's two. But for, to my understanding, you're granted one F-bomb in a PG-13 movie. It's a little trivia for anybody that didn't know that shit. But um, yeah, I, I you know, I completely lost my train of thought just now. So what I'm going to do is... Oh, basically what I was saying is you don't want to lose that audience because it's going to be people that are going to see Beetlejuice 2, if it ever comes to light, are going to be um, the adults older than me, the adults in my age bracket, and people, like even people younger and kids, because I'm pretty sure kids have a, you know, if they didn't see the movie, they might have seen Miley Cyrus twerking on Robin Thicke, who was dressed like Beetlejuice, you know, during that award show. That was a that was a bad time too, man. That I think that caused his uh that caused his divorce. He should have known better. That see that's why you don't fuck around and play around with Beetlejuice. You gotta put some spec on his name. But anywho, another thing I would not I, I, I no one thing I don't want them to do. Don't want them to do at all. If they make a sequel to this movie, do not sell out the pop culture, man. Don't have Beetlejuice listening to Lizzo. Don't have him listening to 21 Savage. Don't have him doing the yeet. Don't have him doing the dab. Don't have him doing, don't have this, none of this pop culture shit. You know why? Because Tim Burton movies work within their own universes. You look at something like Dark Shadows, which a lot of people didn't like. It wasn't received well. I love that movie. I didn't I, w- I didn't even know about the TV show back in the day. I still haven't watched a single episode of the TV show, but I love Dark Shadows. I love the movie entirely. I just watched it the other day. One of the things that they did, they didn't modernize it. They had it set in I think 1972, you know, it was, a, it was, a, it was set in the same time the TV show was set. Now, had they modernized it and it wasn't a Tim Burton movie, it could have easily flopped, but because they stayed in their own realm, no cell phones, no MTV, no BT, no, none of that shit, no Instagram, like is one of the reasons that movie worked. And it's one of the reasons a lot of Tim Burton movies work. Now you might do one reference here and there, but as long as you don't shower the movie in pop culture references, man, that's one of the things that I don't like about these these long-awaited decade plus 30-year-plus sequels, man, is that it's just like, okay, what's trending right now that we can throw in this movie to, you know, to, to, to be hip and get the kids' attention? No, man, that's how you lose your target audience, man. You cannot do that. You can do it, but I would, you know, it's it's best that you don't because, you know, you lose the love, you lose the integrity, you lose the audience doing that. Now, 
I know some people probably out there are listening like, come on, old man, you got to get with the times, and get hit with the times. It's like, listen, I'm very much up to date with everything. That doesn't mean I have to like it. You know, I, I don't I don't. There's a lot of shit that I, I, I be in my own little bubble. That means that doesn't mean I'm not up to speed with everything, but it just means that I see things for what it is. And a lot of things are gimmicks. And the last thing you want to do is f- if you have a sequel to Beetlejuice, the last thing you want to do is make it a pop culture gimmick just to get the, you know, just to draw in the younger crowds and the, you know, the Snapchat crowds and all of them type of motherfuckers. You don't want to do that, man. Um Lastly, what I would do, and it's a small little mention, but I feel like it would be kind of important for me. Um, uh, I, I need I need more sandworms and I need a little bit of backstory of where the sandworms came from and why Beetlejuice is so scared of them. Because the sandworms, even though it's like claymation or stop motion animation, however you want to call the sandworms in uh, Beetlejuice 1988, they scared the hell out of me as a kid just the way they look you know they're diving into the sand like sharks like literally like sand sharks and when they come up it looks like they're one 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 worm but then they open up and it's a completely different thing inside of it and you know there's a there's a scene where where Barbara Gina Davis character just socks the sandworm right in the face and it kind of whimpers like a dog and then like shakes his head kind of like to you know shake it off the shake the punch off but the sandworms are scary as shit man not to mention a sandworm came from the top of the the house at the end of the movie and ate beetlejuice and just devoured his ass into the ground and just disappeared like actually barbara was right she was riding on the back of the sandworm you know she had her hand on the fin she was she was riding cowboy like she was at the rodeo hopped off that shit and then ate beetlejuice for the win I need more of those sandworms and I feel like you can make them you can make them a lot scarier with the you know with the the animation and the CG especially cuz Tim Burton is perfecting you know he has been perfecting his CG man like I haven't seen Dumbo but um I watched a lot of the the makings of it and imagine if they just did you know a modern era cg practical blend for a sandworm or for a beetlejuice snake you know i feel like you should have these the sandworms the beetlejuice snake the creatures whatever creatures that we got glimpses of or whatever new ones they want to make up we have to have that too because that's one of the things that made the first one creepy is the the side characters like even juno the caseworker you know she was smoking she was chain smoking throughout the entire movie but she had a slit in her neck and the smoke was coming out of that you know you had the dead zombie football players you had um i can't remember this actor's name but he was the janitor who was mopping that hallway um and barbara and adam you know they they lift this this shade up and there are ghosts behind there and he's like you know that's death for the dead i can't remember this actor's name but he's the same guy who was given the large marge um exposition in peewee's big adventure but characters like that man who just stand out at least for me personally like characters that just stand out you have to have that you can bring them back or you can have new characters that people are going to remember for the rest of their lives there is so much that could be done with this uh with this beetlejuice universe man to the point where i really came to my senses last night and i'm like yo this really could work and i actually like if it was up to me i would lobby for them to get 
Tim Burton and Michael Keaton on board and Barry Sonnenfeld and everybody that I just mentioned, man, because I really part of me is really wanting this now, man. And I am like I always do. I'm tagging everybody that involved that that is on social media when I you know, when I publish this episode, because I just is some things I need in my life. And Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice might be uh, might be one of those things, man. I feel like it could definitely be a lot of fun, a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. So, you know, that's basically wrapping things up, man. I, I, I really, I don't think I've ever wanted a, uh, actually I'm lying. I was about to say, I don't think I've ever wanted a Tim Burton, you know, sequel like this, you know, just up and wanted a sequel as much as I did this one. Like I decided last night, like out of nowhere. Um, but then I was saying I was lying because Paul Rubens said something about he wanted to do another Pee Wee Herman movie, but make it rated R. And he wanted to just have a dark, dark 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 tone to it and somebody commented and was like oh i hope this never happens and i said you know if tim burton jumps on board i'm all for it because tim burton had some dark content in peewee's big adventure man it's that's why it's one of my favorite tim burton movies of all time it's dark you know it's comedic but like i said those undertones man those undertones are something serious but yeah man i, I would love to see a, a tim burton directed sequel to beetlejuice and peewee's big adventure so we got to make that happen. Mr. Burton, hit me up, man. Give me a call. Send me a DM. I'm going to tag you in this post. And when I do tag you in this post, please make sure you, um, you know, you click the link in my bio. It's the first time I think I've ever said that. I, for some reason, it gets on my nerves when people say that. But Mr. Burton, I'm telling you, man, drop me a line. I got some ideas over here, man. You know, just a Philly guy with some, with a crazy ass imagination and, a podcast that is on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Breaker Radio Public, you know, shout out to Anchor. I, I definitely need those those other platforms now. I truly do because um, this thing is about to take off, man. I, you know, my I have tunnel vision with this podcast. Full speed ahead is my hashtag and I'm sticking with it, man. I am not slowing down for nothing or Nathan because that guy can't stop me either. Um, follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Romero Tudor. Follow the Facebook movie group, the Cinemaniacs. I just realized today the Cinemaniacs had that many that many members. It's like 300-something members in there. And I remember when I started, it was only like 20, 30 people in there. And I know everybody doesn't post in there, but special shout-out to the Cinemaniacs, man. Because y'all definitely also give me motivation to keep doing this, man. When y'all post y'all reviews and you know, post the, the memes or whatever it is, man. And it is Maniac Monday indeed. So definitely shout out to them, man. I love y'all death. Um, shout out to the Tudor reviewers and the listeners, man. I'm again, humbled, grateful, appreciative. Any word you can think of for this 300 plus spins, man. 400 is definitely the next goal. Like I said, full speed ahead, man. I definitely appreciate y'all, man. I, I cannot... I can't keep saying it, but I can, but I don't want to talk everyone's heads off saying the same exact thing, but very grateful for you guys listening to me and giving me the spins over and over and over and taking a liking to this podcast, man. It's, it's come a long way, but it's there is a long way to go. So yours truly, Romero Tudor, another episode of Tudor Reviews in the can. I'll check y'all on the next one.